Hey you guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callentine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey you guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. Today we have Bill Kokenauer on the show. Bill, say hi to the people. Hey, good to be here. Great to be with you. Yeah, Bill is a friend uh, who helped us kind of navigate our way through going from the predominant model to the now simple church uh, uh, kind of form of, of church that we're doing. And tonight, uh, we are just grateful to have him on the show. Bill, you you have your hands in both of the things that this podcast is about. This podcast is about leadership development and the micro expressions of the church. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, what your connection to micro churches are, and then also, um, yeah, just like what stokes you about what Jesus is doing in the church today? Yeah, it's uh, so first of all, great to be with you guys. Thank you for serving us well when we were had our learning communities there in Seattle. That's one of the things that I do with Exponentials lead our um, our learning communities and uh, and then also work with denominational network leaders, just uh, helping them navigate the resources of uh, of Exponential and uh, also uh, part of the underground network. I'm on the board uh, down here and uh, have been incredibly blessed and humbled to be with um, a, an amazing group of people. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, grateful to be with you. But there are some things I was thinking about in you know, my stories you asked me that um, I don't even know if you know, uh, Luis, but uh, so I, I used to work in designing and building facilities for churches. And um, around the year 2000, my brother was, um, you know, sort of that quiet, prophetic kind of voice, uh, just really pulled back the curtain to me, uh, you know, kind of saying, uh, hey, if churches continue to go the way they were going, we just fall further behind. And and it was just, you know, it wasn't like he had to convince me. It was just, you know, a, a, an incredible realization. And so we're, you know, we're setting the trajectory for a church. Um, you know, if you do a major building program, you're sort of setting the trajectory for a good 20 or 30 years. And so that really, you know, that burdened me and burdened us. And about that time, met a CEO of a competing company at a similar heart. And we formed this thing called the Cornerstone Knowledge Network just to really try to understand the relationship between culture, leadership, ministry, and facilities. And uh, that connected me with Dave Ferguson or introduced me to, to Todd Wilson. And then um, Alan Hirsch had been a friend of mine. Um, you know, it's a great, uh, yes, amazing uh, man, amazing man of God. But uh, he had been a friend of mine. And, and uh, about, it's probably been, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago, this meeting came about with 11 megachurch pastors and Alan Hirsch. And, you know, if you you know, knowing Alan, you know that that's a, you know, kind of an odd pairing. But out of that, these uh, megachurch pastors, you know, were just, um, I think they were, they, there was a real uh, angst about um, not wanting to just add the next one, the next service, the next campus, but how do we release people, empower people to take our city? And, um, and they agreed to kind of journey together. And that became a learning community called Future Travelers, which is the forerunner to the learning communities that the multipliers learning communities that we do today, which is how you and I met Luis and and uh, and what we've been doing. And so, um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, really that impacted me. And I remember just, you know, just I'm sitting there listening to Alan's teaching and I remember coming home specifically um, sorry for taking so much time here, but this is it's, no, it's significant to, you know, yeah. to kind of how I'm, why I'm where I am today. But I remember 
literally remember coming home and pulling in the garage and getting ready to, you know, hit the button to drop the garage door down behind me. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, when does this go from theory to practice? And uh, I walked out and uh, my neighbor was cutting his lawn, you know, just had stopped to empty the grass clippings into a bag and just asked him, you know, if he wanted to go grab a beer or coffee next week. And uh, and that really launched us. I began to see just with a little bit of intentionality how much how many ministry opportunities there were. And, and it was just incredible. Well, then the, the second really pivotal time for me was uh, we were hanging out at Soma. We had, Soma was uh, in, in Tacoma is where we would go with the second gathering of future travelers. And we were just hanging around one evening and a young lady by the name of Sandra Chamberlain came in. And, and long story short, her missional community had so loved on Lincoln High School, a, a you know, public high school, that they had asked her, I mean, they were baptizing kids in the pool at the school, they were praying for healing on the sidelines, and they had asked her to serve on a committee to select the next football coach, this public high school. And, and I literally uh, texted my wife, I said, I can't go back to a normal church. And we had just moved back to Florida and Allen and connected me with Brian Sanders and the underground. And yeah, so it's just been, you know, I, I've just seen how powerful micro expressions can be at um, at empowering everyday life Christ followers, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I just love to, yeah, it's been, a, it's been just really a privilege to be a part of that. What a sweet story and how you kind of ended up where you are. And, and you were almost like architecting like the physical structures and now you're architecting this in a different way, you know, by the spirit to like kind of shift the way that um, the quote unquote church looks um for mm. the next 20 to 30 years yeah. right it, and, and it's so really interesting you say that because that you're exactly right in fact i had people that really knew me well said you're you're essentially doing what you used to do you just have more tools because when we were designing building facilities it was never about the building it was about facilitating ministry and so so yeah it's interesting you say that mm. bill it's good to hear some of that story and for our audience i think they may not realize that how deep uh, some of these seeds go. Like we've been influenced by you and Exponential and the Casey Underground, and these relationships they go way further back than uh, our origin here yeah. in in the Simple Church Collective. Um, you mentioned your location of where you're at now and some of your connection to the Underground. Uh, we've had some Casey Underground people on here. Could you maybe just briefly explain uh, your association to the Tampa underground and how that's related to the Casey underground. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, uh, been a governing elder and on the board of the, the Tampa underground and, uh, been down here eight years and, um, Kansas city underground is a sister network. Um, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes I'll get asked, I've been asked recently, what's the difference between the Tampa underground and the Kansas city underground. And I would say in terms of, of values in terms of, um, you know, general approach and that sort of thing, we're very, very similar. The differences come, I think, in origin story, you know, how the Tampa Underground was founded, where it was founded, you know, what happened, uh, how it developed, and then how the Kansas City Underground was birthed and kind of their, um, their focus. So, um, you know, so some definitely some differences, but more an origin story. You know, we, 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 the great thing is we continue to learn from each other, yeah. which is a lot of fun. I mean, Rob Wagner, Brian Johnson, Corey Osborne, there's just some amazing, amazing leaders at Kansas City Underground. Yeah, that's awesome. Sister Networks and 
partnerships, always learning together, learning from each other. I love that. With your role in Exponential and kind of what you're doing and traveling, and maybe that's looked a little different over the last year and a half or so, but what is the, you get to meet with a lot of denominations, denominational leaders. What is the sense that you get about what the Spirit is doing among the U.S. churches right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult time. I was talking to a executive pastor this morning of a church of about 3,000, you know, and just the, the changes they've gone through there at about 55% of pre-COVID attendance and that sort of thing. And um, I would say, in my opinion, COVID, ha COVID hasn't caused anything. What it's done is revealed cracks that were already there. And it's, it's sped up some trends that I think we're already in process. So, I mean, for, for two years prior to COVID, uh, at least a year, maybe two years prior to COVID, when I would talk to a denominational network leader, there were the, the three areas that, that always came up were micro, uh, bivo or co-vocational and leadership pipeline. I mean, that was, that was all, what, well, I think that's just accelerated through this. I would say the other thing, well, and then, you know, exposing the cracks. I mean, if there was, there was weak leadership, if there was, um, you know, issues of people not being really tied to the church, you know, just, you know, even talking about that, the church that I talked to this morning, that their smaller campuses are the ones that have maintained a larger percentage of their attendance because they're a more intimate setting. You know, it's the larger campuses that haven't. Um, and so, so if people were, you know, just involved only on Sundays, you know, it was kind of a Sunday only, and then you kind of check that box and live the way you want to, you know, the next six days. I, th I think it's exposed that, and, uh, and it's exposed so many things. Um, I do see, I'd say the other thing that is surfacing a lot is the issue of disciple making. Uh, I think churches are realizing that so many of their people were didn't have a biblical worldview, that their worldview had been shaped by, you know, um, maybe a nationalistic agenda or, you know, some other um, issue. And and so there is a, I, I think that's going to be really, I actually think the church is going to come out stronger in this. I think we've got some difficult days ahead. And from, a, you know, outside looking in, it's not going to look that way because there'll be, you know, less attendance, churches closed. But because of more of a shift toward disciple making because of, you know, really going back to seeking the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's doing. I, I just think the church is going to come out stronger in this. Mm, I love it. Like a refining moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Kind of started talking about this when, when Scott and I both went through the exponential cohort, one of the things that we pretty early on, I, I think it was even maybe even session one, we talked about, like these shifts, right, that need yeah. to take place. And um, we've spoke, spoken some here on the podcast about, you know, the levels. Myron touched on it a little bit last week, um, you, know, you know, the different levels. Maybe you can run us through that quickly. The more people sure. hear that, the better, the more they, they can kind of get some, some of that language. But then, but then can you walk us through some of those significant shifts that, that, you think that the church needs to make in America in order to be able to be more focused on like, you know, disciple making and, um, you know, following the, the lead of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to, um, you know, you really you think back to the, the story that I mentioned about future travelers and those original pastors, the, the level five framework really came out of 
it, you know, it's what they, we didn't have the language back then to it. And then, so that's, what's been really good about this framework. So if you think of five levels of multiplication and there's nothing biblical about that, we actually started with three, you know, just subtraction, addition, and multiplication, and then realized there are some sort of in-between stages. So level one being subtraction, level two being plateaued, level three being uh, addition or adding. Those are the ones that we typically have championed in the U S um, you know, just even you think about some of the, uh, you know, some of the notoriety uh, with some of the falls of pastors that you you look at those stories and part of what allowed them to happen is because people confused growth with God's blessing and, you know, good things going on. And, um, yeah. So level three is what we typically championed. Level four, what we call reproducing. These are churches now that uh, have shifted to value sending and releasing over gathering and accumulating. And um, and so the level four is what we're really pushing into. Level five, we call multiplying. And probably the easiest way to think of level five is reproduction to the fourth generation. You know, once you once you get to the, you know, you've discipled somebody who's discipled somebody who's discipled somebody who's discipled somebody. You, there's, there's a there's an ethos that's built up there. We, you know, even thinking of that in terms of, you know, planting expressions of the church, there's a uh, yeah, sort of a multiplication ethos that's built in that. The other really important part of that framework is that the magnet at level three, and people get that, that you're drawn to level three. I mean, uh, conferences, books that have been written, the way the way we launch churches, um, you know, is all around building large attendance. Outreach Magazine, the, you know, 100 largest churches and 100 fastest growing churches. I mean, it's, but that magnet works the other way. And many of the things, maybe most of the things you do to become a great level three church become the very things that keep you from moving to level four, you know, both in the, you know, the investment in buildings, the, the, the way you staff the program you know, for the programs you have for people coming, even the, the social contract you make with your people, you know, um, make it difficult to, to go from, you know, be here and just be a part of this to becoming a ascending church. And so, so we, when I've shared that framework over the years, over the last several years, you know, I had so many pastors come up to me and go, you gave words to the angst that I was feeling, you know, and, and what's exciting to me about that is that this is a work that God's doing. All we've done is put some language to it. And, um, and so the next question then is, well, how do we move beyond that magnet at level three? And, and there are at least, I mean, there, there are probably a number of different ways to talk about this, but one of the ways is uh, we talk about five kind of shifts that um, to move beyond level three that that we're seeing um, particularly churches that have been successful level three churches that have moved to level four. And, and the first one is this idea of moving from hero to hero maker. Um, if if the senior leader, senior leadership isn't making that change from, you know, thinking of themselves as, you know, I'm the CEO, I'm the leader, everybody reports to me to know my role is to make heroes. That's, um, I, all the shifts are significant, but if that one's not made, it's hard to, for any of the rest of them uh, to be made. Um, you want me to just run through them? And then, then if you want to, then we'll come back and circle back to any one of them that you want. So this, the second one then is a, a shift in the scorecard. If you think about, I mentioned the difference between level three and level four, level four, level four churches will still measure attendance and giving, but in terms of how they evaluate their success, the scorecard, what you'll find is the scorecard is around either around sending and releasing and or uh, community transformation. Uh, Ralph Moore will talk about, uh, he really felt like the Holy Spirit was calling them to reach a certain percentage of Honolulu in 10 years. 
And the only way to do that, that he had to move out of, you know, seeing the city through the lens of his church and really seeing it in it with a kingdom lens. Um, I've had other churches, uh, other pastors, uh, you know, Tim Hawks at Hill Country Bible, an amazing, amazing leader. Um, you know, just you know, how God has shown them that they were focused on their church, not on their city. And so they'll begin to measure, you know, like I said, community transformation. It might be, you know, number of um, church plants that they're going to start. The, uh, it might be fourth generation disciples. It's those kind of measurements that become more, far more important than attendance and giving. And, and so the scorecard is, and, and you know, scorecard drives so many things. And because the magnet level three is so powerful, if your scorecard's anything other than attendance and giving, you really have to be intentional about it and how you're going to measure it because that's difficult. The, the third and fourth shifts are, are kind of tied together. Um, it's a shift in the expectation for every believer and a shift in the opportunity for every believer. And I think to a large extent um, in the U.S. church, we have made uh, Christianity a bolt-on to the you know, American dream. You know, like get a degree, get a good job, get a house in the suburbs, you know, two cars, the whole deal. And then, and then you, know, be, you know, become a Christian. And it's just this add-on that number one, you get to go to heaven. And number two, if you ever run into a problem, you can call on, you know, on Jesus to help you out. And, and we've, we've so undersold, you know, just dying to Christ and becoming a servant and that sort of thing. So a shift in the expectation for every believer. And then the fourth one is the shift in the opportunity for every believer um, in, in, you know, as you're beginning to wake, awaken people to their Ephesians 2.10 gifting, how are you equipping and empowering them into, into that gifting? And then the last shift is the, uh, in the long run, it's going to be significant. And that's a shift in the operating system of the church. Uh, so much of the operating system and, you know, is level three. I mean, it's, it's interesting if you, if you ask, and I've done this, you ask a room full of young church planners, if they've ever read, read if they've ever read purpose driven church and they, they haven't, but they don't need to because purpose driven church is embedded in the way we plant churches. It's, it's part of the ethos of, of church planting. And, and, and again, I, I don't mean to denigrate that we stand on the shoulders of, of, you know, everything that's taken place to now. So, and I'm, you know, so I, I don't mean to, to denigrate that at all, but, um, but we need new operating systems, a new operating system that's, that's focused on disciple making. So um, yeah, I mean, if you want to circle back to any one of those, I'd be happy to, I mean, if you are, if you're listening right now, you might need to pause real quick, write a bunch of stuff down or go get your pen and paper and come back yeah. because Bill just spilled a bunch of insight and knowledge. Um, I've actually read the book Hero Maker. I had to read it for school. And so a lot of these concepts are it kind of have been in my mind for a little bit. Yeah. And that's a great resource to read the book. It's a fairly easy read. It's not overly complicated. It's a pretty direct conversational book, I would say. So pick up that book, Hero Maker. Yeah. We're not sponsored, but hey, if you guys want to sponsor us, let us know. But um, I think, did you have something on that you wanted to? to well, I, I, if you could just run through those shifts quick, just yeah. like one, two, three, four, five, yeah. just for someone that's listening, it's like, hey, sure. the way my mind works, I'm like, all right, just it, it'd be helpful. Yeah. Number one is a shift from hero to hero maker. Number two is shift in the scorecard and what you, how you're going to value success. Number three is a shift in the expectation of every believer. 
And number four is a shift in the opportunity for every believer. And then number five is a shift in the operating system of the church. Mm, I love that. That's great. Thank you for providing that insight. It's great. Uh, moving on slightly into more uh, conversation of maybe the micro church of uh, the micro church expression. What do you think some of the tools are that a micro church planter or someone who's getting into the micro church world needs to have? We call them simple churches here, but uh, what do you think? What toolbox do they need that they're switching from a predominant model to micro church, or they're entering this for the very first time? That's yeah, a that's a really good question. Um, part of what makes that difficult to answer. So um, there's a there's a theory that a guy by the name of Roger Martin has. He calls it the knowledge funnel. And if you just picture a funnel, and at the top of the funnel is mystery. You know, something that we want to figure out. I love this. Well, then we begin. Then we begin to connect some dots, and and you're starting to see some some sort of trends or things that that consistently show up, and you move into what he calls a heuristic stage. And then at some point, you get to the point where A plus B always equals C, and it gets codified, and he calls that the algorithm or, or um, the code stage. Well, the, the prevailing model of the church is at the code. It's, it's an algorithm. You know, it, the, the variable is how well you're able, you know, you know what kind of speaker you are, uh, what kind of you know, leader you are, and that sort of thing. But, but it is an algorithm. And so, so when people recognize that magnet level three and want to move on, oftentimes the the question, the question inside the question is, what's the new code? You know, give me the new A plus B so I can get to C. And the challenge is we've got to move back to the heuristic. You know, there, there are just some things like we were talking about the difference between Kansas City Underground and, and the, the Tampa Underground. If you went in and just looked at specifics like how often somebody meets or how they meet or that sort of thing, you, you'd miss, you know, you'd, you'd miss it. But if you go in looking for the, you know, the values and how those are played out and, and that sort of thing and look for uh, the consistencies, you know, what are the things that you see uh, showing up? I, I had somebody call me at one time and say, um, hey, we studied Francis Chan's model. We studied Soma's model. We want to study the underground model. And I remember thinking, I don't think I said anything to him, but I remember thinking if you really studied them, I don't think they use the word model because model sounds like you got to figure it out. And we're still, I mean, we're, you know, we're looking at a, you know, fairly significant pivot this coming year, you know? Um, and so, you know, we're still uh, figuring things out. The cool thing about that is it really forces you to lean into the Holy Spirit instead of a model, you know? But um, so, so getting back, I mean, with that's sort of a, I guess, a preamble, a long preamble to the answer of your question, but yeah, so tools, I, I think I think you just got a resource is uh, from as many places as you can. I mean, you know, what you guys are doing, what Casey Underground, Tampa Underground, Soma, you know, other places, Narrow Road, um, you know, Joel Repix, part of, you know, your CMA tribe, you know, what he's doing in in Aliquippa and in, in Pittsburgh area. I mean, there's there, God, man, God's doing some really neat things uh, through some people. And I think we can you know, we just have to take a posture. We, we need to learn from each other. Thanks for kind of giving stab at that. I mean, I kind of want to, I think the heart of the question, Bill, is like in the past, we've leaned into like these gifts of like teaching or the gifts of, you know, like preaching. And, and, and what, what I get the sense is that we need to lean into the other gifts too now, right? Like hospitality 
right? Like when 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 you're in the trenches, when you're out here trying to you know lift get you know get some some traction on micro churches, like the stuff that's gonna happen, that's gonna help make that happen. At least for me, is like opening your the doors of your home, right? Opening the doors of your heart, really listening to people and approaching evangelism from a place um, not of like, hey, I got something to tell you, but listen, I got I got time to listen. Yeah. Right. And then looking and and we get we're getting that, like you're saying, kind of like cross-pollinating from from Jeff Vanderstone and others, like, like listen, listen. Yeah. Like mm. I forgot who it was, and I think I heard it from you guys. It's like, you know, fifty, you know, fifty-five minutes so that you could have five in the last five minutes have something, you know, worth saying, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and 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 a Jesus worth following, you yeah. know. And so I think that's more so the heart of the question. So what what are you seeing? Because you you kind of get to see this from a thirty thousand foot view, yeah. like what the Lord's doing. Like, so what are people kind of doing though? Like, what are the gifts that they're leaning into? In yeah, I mean, I get a chance to see it from a thirty thousand foot level, but I also see it here in my neighborhood too. Yeah, that's what you I'm know? saying. And, yeah. and you're exactly right. I mean, it, part of it is definitely things like hospitality. I think, um, you know, even be more serious about spiritual disciplines. I think, um, you know, who are the people that God's called you to, you know, this, this realization and this awareness that we're all full-time pastors. We just don't all draw a paycheck from a church. So everything that God's given you, um, and in fact, for the vast majority of people, you know, your ministry is probably right where you're at. Now there, there will be, you know, God will call people to, different areas of the world or under-resourced communities and that sort of thing. But for most people, it's, you know, just right where you're at. And so now, you know, hospitality, but then also making yourself available. I mean, you got to read the, you know, we had a, a guy here in the neighborhood who is really kind of the person of peace kind of tool, you know, we, we, you know, as you begin to, you know, who are the people that are the connectors? And we had a guy here where if we had tried to, to set things up, you know, where I live, um, it would have worked against what was already happening in the neighborhood. So you just, you know, you, you, you kind of fit into what already is taking place there. And then as you begin, you know, over time, you begin to win, like you said, the opportunity. I mean, you, you think of disciple making. I, we used to think of it as, as evangelism up to the point of conversion and then disciple making after that. One of the things that, that Alan Hirsch really helped me with, in fact, he wrote a, a, it's a free ebook for, uh, from Exponential called Disciple, Discipleism, where he talks about disciple making really being the whole process. And so that helps me with my neighbors who aren't Christ followers to think, how, how do I bring the kingdom of God to bear on their lives all the time? How do I continue to move them to the heart of Christ in, in, in all the time? So, so it's, um, yeah, definitely, and, and hospitality is part of it, you know. Uh, We'd host birthday parties, you know, where uh, where the uh, uh, one of the things that we did was we would go around the room and everybody had to speak something positive into that person's life and they weren't allowed to deflect it. All they were able to do is say thank you. And the first time we did that, the guy uh, guy that we did it for was 71 years. He said, I'm 71 years old. I've never had a birthday party like that. I've never had, you know, and it was just people that knew him, you know, honoring him. And so. Yeah, so I think, I mean, some of the skills, it's funny, I mean, it's just, it really is how God's wired us. We've just, you know, we've just forgotten. But I, I think other, you know, think about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, we've we've valued in, in established churches, you know, teaching and preaching, which, you know, we need, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the, 
you know, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic gifts we've not leaned into as much. And um, and I think we need to do that. I think we need to to really um, push into the apostolic and the prophetic because there are opportunities to uh, launch businesses, not only businesses for mission, but businesses as mission. Um, begin to see the church as an ecosystem in a city, not as, you know, locations, but actually think of it in terms of an ecosystem with expressions that, you know, could be businesses. In fact, uh, Dr. J. Moon at Asbury argues that the first churches weren't house churches. They were actually meeting in places of business because uh, they would have been they would have been in storefronts, you know, that were connected to homes. So, um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah, sweet. No, no. I think that goes with what we've been saying too all season long. It's like, you know, leaning into the APEST kind of, you, you need all of the expressions and the, their fullness as much as we can get them on this side of eternity um, and yeah. kind of championing each mm-hmm. other. Like, Hey dude, you're, you're higher on the, on the teaching scale, I'm higher on, you know, on the apostolic scale, we need each other. And then a cool thing that we've learned too from the Kansas city underground, maybe we'll, we'll get Brian in on this is the, the voice order stuff like leading and and leading from that place of recognizing all of the giftings at the same uh, at the same table and and is that a better picture of leadership than the ceo model and again god uses it all and 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 so and part of part of what i love about my role at exponential is i get to see you know just incredible creativity of god you know and how he's using you know just different expressions of the church and but you know if you know what does it look like to to for all of those voices to have to bear on leadership of an expression of the church you know again you may have one person that that is the quote leader but how does he or she really make sure that the other recognize their gifting and make sure that the other giftings have equal weight into um, decisions and directions yeah that's really good Bill, for for me, I don't know about you. I, I imagine it's probably similar. I've been having a lot more conversations with people the uh, about like the micro church expression um, over this last year or so. Some of them uh, are clergy, vocational pastors. Some are just average Joe people that I've met with, or I've even formed new relationships with. And you know, they they're trying they're trying to wrap their head around yeah. this new for them new idea of church life. Do you think this micro church, missional community, simple church, there's so many names for it, and I wish there was a universal, like, hey, here's the 100% name, but do you think this thing is going away anytime soon, or is it going to be here to stay? Yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, to your kind of your question of the different names, uh, I actually think that's great right now. You know, I mean, there's missional communities, micro churches, gospel communities, um, outposts, missional action groups. I mean, just all in. And yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I think that keeps us from locking into this idea of, of mm-hmm. model. But no, I, I think it is here to stay. And, and um, Todd Wilson, who's the CEO of Exponential, is one of the most futuristic uh, people that I've ever met. Uh, he's a brilliant guy anyway. He's literally a, a nuclear engineer in the nuclear Navy, he's got a, yeah, just an amazing story. I mean, he, he looked his next, he was running a Naval shipyard of 6,000 people at age 29, led a Naval shipyard of 6,000 people where they were taking nuclear subs apart and putting them back together. 
So uh, that's, um, but he's he's incredibly futuristic and, and it's probably been, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, he wrote an article, um, something to the effect of mega multi micro, seeing that the mega church was birthing the multi-site movement and we're seeing some retraction from that now where, uh, I mean, it's still a lot of people going multi-site, but a lot of churches are releasing their campuses now. But the, the mega birthing, the multi-site, multi-site, and now moving into the micro expressions of the church. So without a doubt, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be part of our our future. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 new, but it's it's the oldest form. Tell them, you know? tell them, Bill. You know, That's it's like it, you know, how far it's like Alan's, you know, Alan's book, Forgotten Ways. What a great what a great title, you know. Um, yeah. Mm. No, for sure. What What would you say to the micro church leader who is, they're in the thick of it. They're slugging it out. Day to day is hard. Like as someone who is entering into this space, it can be kind of discouraging at times. You know, you don't, you're not hosting a hundred people or 200 people in a service. And that doesn't, you know, you're not having these big things that may previously have been your metrics of success. Your yeah, metrics yeah. are changing. And it can be discouraging. It can be hard. What do you say to that person right now who's serving imperfectly, but trying to be faithful, and there's little results showing at the moment? Yeah. Well, first of all, we're all serve imperfectly. You know, every one of us serve imperfectly. And um, I really think, I think that we have to, we have to redefine success. And, and I'm really coming to believe that success in the kingdom of God is being faithful to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And whatever results come from that, um, you know, that's, that's really up to the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't mean that in a throw up your hands and you can't do anything about it kind of thing. You know, God wants us invested in his work. He's called us. He's, you know, Ephesians 2 10 said we were gifted for, for good works before time began. Um, but um, yeah, so I, yeah, it, what you, you want to be faithful to the call of the Holy Spirit, not to any metric. Um, the, the challenge in the United States is so much we get our, we get our being from what we do instead of, you know, instead of, you know, just our doing coming from what our, from our being instead of our, our you know, what we do coming from who God says we are. You know, we 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 get our our sense of self worth, our sense of being from what we do. I mean, think about you know, oftentimes how we introduce people. You know, hey, this is my friend Joe. He does. He's a pastor at this, or this is my friend Joe. You know, he leads a company that. You know, instead of this is my friend Joe. He's incredibly apostolically gifted, and you know, in terms of fruits of the spirit, here's what you know. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah. so if we, I, I I would just encourage them. Started. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would encourage them to to just you know recognize that your your doing comes from your being, and just um, be faithful to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And it's going to be hard sometimes, and difficult sometimes, and confusing lots of times. But um, but man, if you're being if you're being faithful to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, I I don't know of a better success metric than that. Hey, Bill, as we start to kind of land the plane here, man, we've definitely been touched by your ministry. We've been touched by the Lord um, it has been doing in your life. And I love that introductory story that you shared, moving away from literally moving away from building buildings to you know building the church. Jesus yeah. is 
body and his people. So I know we've been touched by your ministry, by the stuff that you guys do at Exponential. Yeah. Um, if there, you know, I would say if someone's listening and they're saying, hey, Luis, you know, uh, so what, what's next? What's a good next step? Your ministry touches people all over this country, I'm sure, beyond that to the world. I've met people at the Exponential cohorts from Texas, from Tennessee, from New York, from Florida. You know, um, tell us a little bit about, about your um, your work with Exponential, exactly what you guys do. And then if someone said, hey, so how can I get connected? What, what can they do to, um, you know, lean into learning more about micros, what the Lord is doing in this yeah. world? Now that, that yeah, that's good. So uh, exponential.org is is a good place to start. And exponential is known. Uh, most people that know exponential would know us through the conferences that we do, yeah. and uh, the Orlando the conference that will take place in Orlando, the Global Exponential Conference. Uh, I think it's March seventh through the tenth um, next year. I mean, it'd be fifty five hundred people from. Um, in the last one, we had people literally from all fifty states, and um, I think seventeen or eighteen. Uh, other countries as well. And, you know, it'd be great, um, you know, great micro, uh, you know, a lot of micro expressions uh, that are, um, will be represented there. Um, uh, the underground is going to be doing a, a, a workshop track there and just it's a great opportunity to meet people. Um, the hub at Exponential, you know, you can join that for free and there's tons of free content uh, out there. Um, right now, Ralph Moore and I are alternating every other Tuesday. We interview a reproducing church leader, um, but there's in the the resource center in the hub. There's tons of past, um, you know, webinars and just all kinds of, of free resources. Uh, probably the most transformational thing that we do are the learning communities that um, Luis, you've been a part of, and Luis and Scott, you guys just served us really well when we were in Seattle. And we're we're in the midst of of that learning community right now. And we'll we'll be at the Kansas City Underground last week in January, and then at Mercy Road the first week in in May. Uh, people that want to be uh, part of that uh, next season will begin, you know, next fall. Um, yeah, that's that's been in fact not only people from around the country, but you can download Multipliers Leading Beyond Edition in Japanese because Fumichito from uh, outside of Tokyo came through the learning communities and took it upon himself to translate it into Japanese so that he could use it in his context. So, yeah, it's just it's really cool. I mean, I, this really is a work of God. I mean, I, it's this isn't something exponential is doing. You know, I think we're providing language and connecting some dots. Um, but uh, I'm I'm excited about about where the church is is headed. But those are a couple of ways to get involved. There, uh, all our ebooks are free. There are tons, you know, just go through the ebooks and you know find the ones that you you know you think would be uh, good. And there's yeah, tons of research. The process to get into the learning communities, like you got to get nominated, right? It's, it's, well, it's actually, like yeah, actually, we you know we have a you know an application system. So I do have people reach out to me directly. Uh, my email is just bill at exponential org. Um, and so people can reach out to me directly and, and we can get them that information. But typically, yeah, they're usually nominated by somebody um, who's, you know, either in a leadership position or been through the learning communities in them in the past. Yeah, because we're just, you know, we want to, um, yeah, I mean, we want to be selective about who's in it, you know, yeah. as we're really trying to make make progress with them. Yeah, yeah thanks. I would just, if you're out there and you're thinking about, the learning communities or checking out Exponential, I would strongly encourage you to do that. 
a lot of great resources, a lot of free ones, and the learning communities have been some of the most helpful, I think, for both of us um, to understand uh, the pivot that we made from the traditional model or structure to the micro. And in now, moving forward in that, what can some of that look like? And that's how we got connected to Casey and we started making a lot of friends and through things like that. And so just thanks for, for having yeah. that. And we, we love Exponential and what yeah. you're doing. I want There's to also going to be a micro conference, micro church oh, yeah, conference, yeah, 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 yeah. Friday awesome. night and Saturday before Exponential. Yeah. So there'll be people coming down early to catch the micro church conference in Gainesville, Florida. Florida. Too, right? yeah. Yeah, yep, Gainesville, Florida. And then, then they'll be, be there to be able to be at the Exponential conference. I just saw that there's going to be an online option for that. So I, I think we're going to sign up for that yeah. and kind of just watch that and, and, and make that a priority. And yeah, it should be pretty cool. I want to, I just, I want to wrap up with this and then uh, Scott can kind of, uh, uh, kind of call us out here. But um, one of the most freeing things happened to me, Bill, at that very first um, exponential cohort. Now I've been through it twice. That very first gathering, wrestling, I know Jesus, like, and I had all the questions and Bill was super <laughs> patient with me. And I'm sure you've heard those same questions. What does eldership look like? Leadership, what do you do when someone, you know, steps out and kind of goes their own way, you know, like the lone wolf when as apostolic types, we think of that because we have the proclivity of becoming that person outside of the lordship of Jesus and, 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 and guidance of the spirit. And ever so like gently, Bill just said, Luis, if the Lord is calling you to plant a level three church, then go for it. You know, like if the Lord is calling you to do a predominant model church and it was gently and loving He's like, man, we want you to have the best, uh, uh, you know, I didn't have the language for that, but level three church that you could possibly have. And he's like, just explore this. And, and just the, the thing that you said before was, you know, success is following the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it really gave me freedom to really explore the whole thing. And it wasn't like, hey, we're anti Sunday morning style church, explore the entire thing. And so here, mm. um, you know, in good fashion, we are also not anti Sunday morning uh, gatherings. Um, in fact, you know, it's because of partnerships like the ones that we have that we're able to continue to do what we do to this very day. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your gentleness. Thank you for your guidance. And thank you for helping us walk through maybe even hundreds of others, you know, walk through uh, transition and, and, and following what the spirit is saying to us in this Thank and thank you for responding to the Holy Spirit because that I mean that just is incredibly inspiring to us. You know, I mean that that yeah, you have no uh, idea how thrilling that is um, to see and and yeah, and that's again that's what makes me so excited about the future of the church. Not that we don't have difficult days ahead, but but I'm excited for where the church is headed. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Do you have any parting words for our audience? Man, I, um, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah, I've just, uh, uh, allow, you know, allow yourself to be challenged by the Holy Spirit. You know, um, God, God has created us. He's wired us to be on mission, you know, fully for, uh, for Christ. We're, 
Um, you know, my passion really is in empowering the priesthood of all believers. When I look at the end of Ephesians 1 and, you know, um, Paul has this, you know, great run on sentence. And toward the end of Ephesians 1, he's talking about the supremacy of Jesus and Jesus being the head of the church. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're to be his body to fill all in all, you know, well, that that's going to take all of us, you know, and just living, living sacrificially and yeah, just drawing inspiration from each other. And so, yeah, I'm inspired by you guys. You served us well when we were in Seattle and just uh, grateful for you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bill. We love having you on here and hopefully we'll have you again sometime soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Keeping It Simple. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening.